in 2005, it was the first Feast of the Assumption that our late Holy Father, Benedict XVI, preached after he had been elected Pope in May of that same year. This goes back 18 years. And in August, the popes often go up to the hills to escape the heat of Rome. They go to Castel Gandolfo. And Benedict XVI preached on this feast day 18 years ago in the little parish church next to the papal palace there, Castel Gandolfo. And uh, his words about this feast were very simple, very humble, and very beautiful, just like our Blessed Mother. And so I thought I would conclude this feast day sharing our late Holy Father, Benedict XVI's homily for the Feast of the Assumption, given on this date 18 years ago. The Feast of the Assumption is a day of joy. God has won. Love has won. It has won life. Love has shown that it is stronger than death, that God possesses the true strength, and that his strength is goodness and love. Mary was taken up body and soul into heaven. There is even room in God for the body. Heaven is no longer a very remote place unknown to us. Now we have a mother in heaven, and the mother of God, the mother of the Son of God, is our mother. God himself has said so. He made her our mother when he said to the disciple and to all of us, Behold your mother. We have a mother in heaven. Heaven is open. Heaven has a heart. In the gospel today, we heard the Magnificat, that great poem inspired by the Holy Spirit that came from the lips of Mary, indeed, from Mary's heart. This marvelous song mirrors the entire soul, the entire personality of the Blessed Mother. We can say that this hymn of hers is a portrait of her, a true icon, in which we can see the Blessed Mother exactly as she is. I would like to highlight only two points in this great hymn of praise. She begins with the word magnificat in Latin. My soul magnifies the Lord, that is, proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Mary wanted God to be great in the world, for God to be great in her life and present among us all. Mary was not afraid that God might be a rival in our life, that with his greatness, he might encroach on our freedom, our vital space. She knew that if God is great, we too are great. Our life is not oppressed, but raised and expanded. It is precisely then that it becomes great in the splendor of God. The fact that our first parents, Adam and Eve, thought the contrary was the very core of original sin. Adam and Eve feared that if God were too great, he would take away something from their life. They thought that they could set God aside to make more room for themselves. This is also the great temptation of the modern age of the past three or four centuries. More and more people have thought and said, but this God does not give us our freedom. With all his commandments, he restricts the space in our lives. So God has to disappear. We want to be autonomous and independent. Without this God, we ourselves would be gods and do as we please. This was also the view of the prodigal son, who did not realize that he was free precisely because he was in the father's house. Instead, he left for distant lands and squandered his estate. In the end, the prodigal son realized that precisely because he had gone so far away from his father, instead of being free, he had become a slave. He understood that only by returning home to his father's house would he be truly free in the full beauty of life. 
this is how it is today. Previously, it was thought and believed that by setting God aside and being autonomous, following only our own ideas and inclinations, we would truly be free to do whatever we liked without anyone being able to give us orders. But when God disappears, men and women do not become greater. Indeed, they lose the divine dignity. Their faces lose God's splendor. In the end, they turn out to be merely products of a blind evolution and as such can be used and abused. This is precisely what the experience of our time has confirmed for us. Only if God is great, is humankind also great. With Mary, we must begin to understand that this is so. We must not drift away from God, but make God present. We must ensure that he is great in our lives. Thus, we too will become divine. All the splendor of the divine dignity will then be ours. Let us now apply this to our own lives. It is important that God be great among us in public and in private life. In public life, it is important that God be present, for example, through the cross on public buildings, and that he be present in our community life. For only if God is present do we have an orientation, a common direction. Otherwise, disputes become impossible to settle, for our common dignity is no longer recognized. Let us make God great in public and in private life. This means making room for God in our lives every day, starting with the prayers we say every morning, and then dedicating time to God, giving Sundays to him. We do not waste our free time if we offer it to God. If God enters into our time, all time becomes greater, roomier, and richer. A second observation from Mary's poem, The Magnificat, it is quite original, yet at the same time, it is a fabric woven throughout the threads of the Old Testament. Thus, we see that Mary was, so to speak, at home with God's word. She lived on God's word. She was penetrated by it. To the extent that Mary spoke with God's words, she thought with God's words. Her thoughts were God's thoughts. Her words, God's words. Mary was penetrated by divine light, and this is why she is so resplendent, so good, so radiant with love and goodness. Mary lived in the word of God, and the fact that Mary was immersed in God's word and was totally familiar with it also endowed her later with the inner enlightenment of wisdom. Whoever thinks with God thinks well, and whoever speaks to God speaks well. They have valid criteria to judge all the things of this world. Such people become prudent and wise, and at the same time good. They also become strong and courageous with God's strength, who resists evil and fosters good in the world. Thus, Mary speaks with us. Mary speaks to us. Mary invites us to know the Word of God, to love the Word of God, to live with the Word of God, and to think with the Word of God. And we can do so in many different ways, by reading sacred scripture, by participating especially in the Mass, in which Holy Church throughout the year opens the entire book of sacred scripture to us. The Church opens that Word to our lives and makes it present in our midst. Today, Mary has taken up body and soul into the glory of heaven, and with God and in God 
Mary is the queen of heaven and earth. And is she really so remote from us? The contrary is true. Precisely because Mary is with God and in God, she is very close to all of us as long as we are with God and in God. While she lived on this earth, Mary could only be close to a few people. Being in God, who is close to us, actually within all of us, Mary shares in this closeness of God. Being in God and with God, she is close to each one of us, knows our hearts, can hear our prayers, and can help us with her motherly kindness, and has been given to us, as the Lord said, precisely as a mother to whom we can turn at every moment. Mary always listens to us. Mary is always close to us. And being the mother of the Son, she participates in the power of the Son and in his great goodness. We can always entrust the whole of our lives to this mother, who indeed is not far from any one of us. Friends, on this feast day, let us thank the Lord for the gift of the mother, and let us pray to Mary to help us find the right path every day and in every way. Amen.